It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com, digital sports columnist and editor with Jed Musi, Local 12 anchor, reporter, and producer, and the host of this Bengals weekly podcast. And uh, Jed, I don't think we'd be sitting here in week three expecting this football team to be 0-2, and not just 0-2, but, but really... An ugly 0-2, especially from the offensive perspective where they just haven't scored a touchdown. 0-2, haven't scored a touchdown, and obviously it feels like it's been a while now. It's been about a week since the Bengals parted ways with Ken Zampezi. I think that was surprising to a lot of people. I think that a lot of people thought it needed to be done, but whether or not the Bengals would actually do it was was a big question. Insert Bill Lazor, now the offensive coordinator. So are you are you surprised that they that they ended up pulling the trigger even though they probably needed to? Okay, this is going to be the stupid answer of yes and no. Um, yes, because it's just something they they've never they don't do that. They just don't fire coaches, coordinators in the middle of seasons, especially coordinators. Um, you know, Dave Shula was basically let go in in a season. Uh, Bill Johnson, Bill Tiger Johnson resigned in a season, but they just just doesn't happen. The no, I'm not surprised is the fact that I think if everybody looks at this in the in the nutshell of well, it's just two games. It's really not. Um, it was a chunk of last year too where this offense sputtered, and I think we all tried to point to the injuries of Tyler Eifert, the injury to AJ Green, the fact that you had Cedric Boy playing right tackle and, and flopping for the first 11 games, and you can argue that should he have pulled the trigger on that move a, a, a little bit earlier. Um, but no, I mean, they're 6-11-1 with him as the offensive coordinator, and it was going from, from what was bad last season to worse this season. And I think with this being Marvin Lewis's last year, I think you can see that, look, he, he's, he's going to go out swinging, whatever that means, whatever that takes. And I think this was the, the sign of that. You've been down at, at practice. What do you think the difference will be? What, what does a Bill Lazor offense look like as opposed to Zampezi? What's going to be different? And that's a great question. I think the difference is... I think you'll see players just feeling more free to play. The, the, the consensus I've gotten, because we don't see enough of practice to, to get a feel for what they're doing. Um, we see stretching and we see some position drills, and by the time they're doing team stuff, we're marched out of there and sent back to, the, to, our, to our cubicles to work. But I, I think it's I think the problem in talking to some players is Ken just overloaded them with information. I mean, he – Instead of telling you, okay, here's point A, I need you to get to point C, there are some steps in between to get there, he was literally point A goes to here to point B, take these steps to go to point C, and look, there has to be a thought process to playing sports and playing pro football, but there also has to be the freedom of just go play, go make a play, go go make a football play, and I think a lot of those guys on offense, their head was just swimming, so I think the big part is simplifying some things to, to some degree. Um I think you'll see the running back rotation have some level of consistency to it. I think you will. This is my guess. It's, it's an educated guess. I think Joe Mixon will be the number one back. I think the role of Gio Bernard will be third down back and occasional change of pace back. I think the role for Jeremy Hill will be short yardage back and maybe if you have a fourth quarter lead, be the fourth quarter pounder. Um, but I think you'll see at least a more specified role. I talked to Kyle Kasky um, on Wednesday and Kyle didn't want to tip his hand. I'm not sure he could, was ready to tip his hand yet, but just the general feeling and, and just the way he was talking, he wants some roles defined, and I think they want some roles defined, and I think you're going to see that. And if you're going to define roles, you're getting Joe Mixon some touches. In talking with Dave Lapham this week, he, he responded to 
a lot of the criticism that people say about this Bengals offense, oh, the Bengals look flat. And he, he countered that and said the Bengals aren't flat. They're just confused. Correct. And there's so many things going on. I, guess, I want to start with for a second. Yeah. You, you know, that fans always – whenever a team doesn't play well, right. that's the general crutch fallback of a team looked flat today. There is occasionally when a team is flat and does play flat and looks right. flat. A lot of times it is a lot of a lot of lack of execution makes you look flat. I think what Dave said um, absolutely is true. And, and I guess it just – it begs the question, Zampisi's been associated with this offense for 15 years. He saw what worked under Hugh Jackson. He saw what worked under Gruden. He saw how Andy Dalton responded to their offenses. Why did he think, I mean, is it an ego thing, or why did he think it was so necessary to make things more complicated than they were when he saw that they worked? Is this sort of thing where they thought Andy could kind of elevate his pre-snap reads and, and, and fine-tune and be better. What what led him to making this offense so complicated? Well, I don't even know if he made the offense as complicated as he as he made the steps along the way complicated. I, I think it, I think it was honestly a teaching process to some degree. That look, you may have taken algebra one from one teacher who um, just got through to you somehow, some way, and you learned it the way it needed to be learned. You go to algebra two; it's a little more complicated. And the algebra two teacher knew the subject matter, probably could have could have done it inside out but couldn't have taught you how to do it because it just didn't resonate with you. Um, I think that's the way it was with Ken, unfortunately. I just don't think it resonated with the players, what he was trying to get through to them. And um, I, I do, I think there was a lot of um, a lot of specific things in, in, in pre-snap reads of don't force the ball here, wait till this comes open, or wait till that, as opposed to going, look, you know what, A.J. Green, let's get him the ball. I don't care what it takes on this next play to get the ball, let's get him the ball. And I've said that I don't know if there was an identity. What was there? Was it you're going to pound the ball? Was it a yeah. deep throwing identity? Was it a quick screen offense? Was it a deep crossing route seven step? I don't think there was an identity, so I don't think you got good at any of them. Um, and hence, I think it just led to once players got confused and saw they weren't having success, guess what they stopped doing? They stopped buying in. Yeah, and I think it does uh, merit at least a recognition that Bill Lazor, when he was the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, was replaced by Zach Taylor, who last year was the offensive coordinator at UC, and they went, what, 85,000 quarters without scoring a touchdown. So it, it, I, I, I think it's all about the players is my point. My point is is that they've got to buy into to this system, and hopefully this is a system that is a little more, not to say dumbed down, but a system that allows them to, to play freer, that allows Joe Mixon to get more touches, that allows A.J. Green to get the ball more. Maybe a system that allows Tyler Boyd to be active for the game. Uh, we're going to get to that because I think a lot of that's on Tyler Boyd, but yeah. We want to get to that now? All right. Um, <laughs> you know, James Urban, the wide receivers coach, I, I really enjoy talking to him. He's one of my favorite go-to guys, and um, he begged off talking to us on Wednesday. He, he, he avoided talking to a couple of us on Thursday because he knew the Tyler Boyd question was coming. I do think Tyler Boyd will be active this week. I, I, I really believe that. But there's no doubt there was a message sent to Tyler Boyd that your practice and meeting habits and preparation habits were not up to par. Now, Tyler talked to a group of us on Monday and said he was confused. They hadn't told him what the issue is. I, I'm not sure if I believe him or not, and I don't want to call him a liar because that's not fair. But I, I think it's clear that, that that was a message across the bow of, Look, you need to do some things better and do them quickly, or we'll we'll sit you again this week. I don't know that that's something that needs to be explained. 
I, you know, if you if you're healthy and you're not active and you're a second year player and you had an impact on this offense and you're not active, and, yeah, and you were a second round pick last year, you're right, who had an impact on this offense, right? right? There is a message. I don't know how you can stand there on Monday and say, "Geez, I don't, I don't know what this is all about." I mean, I think it's it, that that's almost even worse, and and maybe you know that's not very encouraging to think maybe the message didn't get delivered if he if he still has an issue understanding why it is that that he wasn't active. You know, there's 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 really no excuse for that, especially when this when this offense really needs it. I mean, you look at what this offense was supposed to be when the year started out, and all of the options that they had. John Ross has fallen by the wayside. Tyler Boyd isn't isn't active. I mean, the, the, this offense is taking some hits. I think that maybe the bright spot has been Alex Erickson, his play on 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 in the return game, and also you know as a receiver. Yeah, he's caught he's caught quite a few passes, and and a lot of people I think. When they looked at the Texans game, they they initially thought, well, why is he getting that many looks? Why aren't they throwing it to AJ Green? But he has stepped up when when um, his uh, his name has been called. You you go forward, and Tyler Eifert hasn't practiced this week, so this and he's not going to play. He it, it doesn't look like like he'll play. Obviously, Marvin wants guys to practice at least once during the week, and and he hasn't done that. And this will now be a lot of people were looking at this season. He'll be a free agent next year. This they were looking at this being the year that Tyler Boyd plays all sixteen games. Tyler Eifert, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. Tyler Eifert plays sixteen. You get your Tyler's confused, I, man. Too many and, Tyler's. And guess what? Like, too many issues. Don't throw Tyler Croft in here yet. Okay? <laughs> uh, so CJ Uzama, from from what I understand, it looks to be ready to go. But there are just so many. It, it's it's so crazy to think how this offense looked at, at in preseason at the at the beginning of the year and and. Just the evolution well, it has taken just in two weeks. Well, you remember it was how are you going? How are you, you've got so many weapons? How are you going to get all of them touches? You're right. John Ross um, was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. I've not gotten. We're doing this on Thursday. I haven't gotten the report, but I did see him come off the field early today. He's, he's had an illness. You would hope by Sunday he's good to go. But he obviously is going to need more time to assimilate into the offense. It's not like you're going to throw him out there for 60 snaps on Sunday. Um, you know, Tyler Eifert's in all likely he's not going to play Sunday. I mean, he's not going to play Sunday. Um, you know, Mixon's gotten part of that rotation. He's gotten limited touches. All these weapons suddenly look around and go, you got A.J. Green. I mean, it's back to the one-weapon system, and that, that's hard to operate in this league like that. Yeah, and, and Tyler Eifert just does not seem to be able, and I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions on him, but it just seems like he cannot avoid a big hit. Well, I, I, and I think everybody understood. I mean, coming off back surgery, it, it he was not going to play all 16 games. I think the hope was, could you get 12 out of him? And I, I don't even know if that's possible now. I mean, again, this is one game in, basically. Uh, two games in, excuse me, basically. And the back's acting up. He had surgery on it. He's even talked about, you know, he likes to play golf. He gave up golf, at least in the short term, because of the back you're talking about that injury is just not, it's not going away. It's, it's, I mean, maybe in three years, hopefully it, it would, and he may not be a Bengal by then. So um, he's making a decision for them that's pretty easy because he is an unre- he's a free agent, as you mentioned. They can franchise tag him, but you're not going to franchise tag the guy if he plays six games or eight games or even no. ten maybe. I, I think he has to show that he's, he's fully healthy. But he's a weapon, and so far in the first two games, he's an underused weapon who now is going to be sitting on the sideline and not being a weapon. And it, it just makes you think – what would the Bengals have done in the draft had they known that this was going to be the Tyler Eifert that, that they were dealt? I think they had a lot of confidence in him 
being 100% this year, despite the back surgery, despite his limitations. I think they drafted with the idea that, that Tyler Eifert's our guy going forward, at least this year. And, you know, it's unfortunate for him. It's unfortunate for the team, especially because of this offensive transition with a new offensive coordinator. Having a tight end, we've seen it in the league. The league is now, you almost need two to, wait, wait, to, wait. Have, to be an effective offense. Yeah, and it comes down to matchups. If they want to take two guys to take A.J. Green away, you you want to have an a tight end able to beat one on one matchups. Yeah, I mean Rob Gronkowski was a great example on the Monday night game. Eric Berry, who's an elite safety, locked him up in a one on one battle. Very few safeties in the league are capable of doing that. Week two, New Orleans tried to do the same thing, and at times tried to double cover him. And what did Gronkowski do? He went for 116 yards because those guys aren't capable of doing it. I mean, you if it's a team that has corners that can't match up and and you can isolate, I, that, that's what this. Is. It's a matchup driven league. Tyler Eifert went healthy gives you a guy who should be able to win one-on-one matchups. What he gave you in the first two weeks was a guy who went untargeted, basically. And one of the times he was targeted, his brain locked up, and he steps out of bounds before he catches a ball. So he he, he should be a weapon. He was, an, he was a non-factor the first two weeks. He was, and, and, and him stepping out of bounds, that inexplicable... Inexplicable. Yeah, it, nobody was around him. You know, his, his awareness of, of where he was on the field... Really should have been a lot better for for a guy like that. It, it does make you wonder what happens if they, if he catches that and and they end up finding a way to beat the Houston Texans. Does Kenzie and Peasy stick around? He does. Is it a blessing in disguise? Maybe that the and, Bengals started zero and two, and that may be the case too. I mean, obviously you got fourteen more weeks to find that part out, but that that sometimes might be the case that he probably would have survived um, if they had won. And maybe that would have been the worst thing in the long run. Yeah, and the last time the Bengals started 0-2, they went 0-8. And I think in 2008, that may have been the year with T.O. And... Yes, that was the crazy year. That was... <laughs> so, obviously, no one wants to start 0-2. No one thinks it's a blessing at all to start 0-2. But that, that particular touchdown, and, and we're talking about game of inches. Tyler Eifert's foot does not go out of bounds, and he stays in bounds. It's a completely different game. It's a completely different story, and maybe the Bengals are going into Green Bay this week, one and one. I ask you about Andy Dalton, um, who obviously was awful in Week One, um, wasn't great in Week Two, but there were some quarterbacks in the league who were worse. I, I'm writing a column; it'll probably be up by the time you're listening to this on local12.com. I get fans booing Dalton in Week One. I, I get fans who are critical of him when he plays poorly because it's part and parcel of that position. Maybe it's just me, but and, and maybe I've been around that team a little longer and a little closer than you have, but it, the, the, the level of hatred and vitriol towards Andy Dalton, I guess, boggles my mind. I'm, I'm trying to figure out why that is. Is it just part and parcel of that position, or are, do fans really think there is a better option on this roster or elsewhere than him? Do they think he is really that bad? And, and I'm, I put some numbers in there to, to refute that. I mean, the last two years, in 15 and 16 combined, only six quarterbacks had a better passer rating than him. Only six. I mean, that puts him in where? The upper quarter of quarterbacks in this league, right? Yeah. He has a better winning percentage than Ken Anderson did, than Boomer Sison did, than Carson Palmer did, a better passer rating than all three of those guys. Yet he might be the most reviled quarterback in Bengals history. I would get it if he was Jay Cutler and a smartass, um, if he – uh, fired back at fans and, and decided to go toe-to-toe with them. To his crazy stands there and takes it. He, he doesn't really put up a fuss about it. 
good dude. I, I Look, again, I'm not telling fans they shouldn't be critical and they shouldn't boo like after a fourth interception in a game. That's boo-worthy. I get it. But there just seems to be just a hatred for that guy. Can you figure it out? No, I or can't. Or am I wrong? It, it, no, I think, you're, I think you're right. I think that exists. I think, I think the national narrative on him is that he's terrible. I think and that, that sort of feeds into sort of the cauldron that, that maybe, is maybe. the Bengals fan. Yeah. I, think, I think people look at him from, from a distance and say, oh, this is Andy Dalton. We know what he is, and, and he's not very good. I think he needs, what, less than 100 passing yards to move into third all-time on, on the Bengals' list. Of, yeah, and, and, and technically, if he plays another two or three years as a starter, I think he, he'll go to he'll, – he'll have literally, if he's the quarterback the next three or so years, every record uh, that, that the Bengals have passing-wise. And, and um, it's a guy the last year's 15 interceptions and basically 1,000 pass attempts. The first game, I, I'm not and I'm not trying to excuse right. how bad he was. He was bad. I'm not even going to tell you, well, two of the balls were tipped and he didn't see the guy come. Four interceptions, a fumble, it's inexcusable. Uh, and you have every right to boo. But this isn't just the uh, these two games. This seems to just keep compounding on itself. And I, and I guess part of it is people believe A.J. McCarron is the answer, and they can, they can feel free in saying that because guess what? They don't know. They assume that he is because guess what? They don't have to go ahead and run him out there and run the risk of a win or a loss like, like the coaching staff does. Um, and again, I'm not saying the coaches are always right either. Um, they make mistakes, but I, for the life of me, I'm just trying to figure out what it is about it. Is it the red hair? I mean, <laughs> is it the is it the aw shucks attitude? Um, I just I I just don't I don't get the hatred. I just don't. I get the criticism, absolutely warranted at times. But if you if you cut to, all I'm asking, go look at his numbers compared to other quarterbacks in Bengals history. I just told you the last two years, 15 and 16 combined, seventh highest passer rating of any quarterback in the with qualified. I'm not talking about a guy who went right. two for three, um, but that, that puts him in some company. But you're right, the national narrative is oh, just a game manager, and oh, they can do better. No, you can't. In a lot of cases, you can't. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Aaron Rodgers. I'm not here to tell you he is, okay? Right. But the guy is a proven winner. The record says that. The numbers say that. And yet there's a hatred for that dude. Yeah, you can't get away You can't get away from the facts. And the facts are exactly what you're saying. And, and you can't dispute that. I think I brought it up last year on the podcast when we talked about, when we talked about this. And it, it just reminds me very much of the way Ohio State fans felt about Jim Trestle. Now, Trestle obviously won a national title in 2002, but before him, all they wanted to do was get a coach in there that could beat Michigan. That's all it was, because John Cooper, what could he not do? Couldn't, could not beat Michigan. Did he almost re- everything else. And, and had some good teams and sent a lot of guys to the NFL. They, he could not beat Michigan. Jim Trestle came in, and all he did was beat Michigan. I think he had one loss against Michigan in his tenure, but you're a product of that success, and because... You go and you and you do things that fans expect. Fans wanted to go to the playoffs. Fans wanted a consistent winner. They got that with Andy Dalton, and it's it's all about what can you do now? Can you take that leap? Can you be that next level guy? And Andy hasn't been a next. He hasn't Correct. been a Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be. But the, the notion that you can find somebody better is ridiculous. And the fans assume that AJ McCarron can do that without having any knowledge. And right. look, he might. I'm not telling you. I, I think AJ McCarron can be a starting. I've said it before. He's a starting quarterback in this league. There's no doubt in my mind. But I, I can't sit here and tell you for sure that if you throw a, and I know it's the well, give it a try. No, if you still believe that Andy Dalton is your quarterback, 
from a coaching staff perspective. And and you look at what he has done, and he's warranted benefit of the doubt. I just don't get the hatred. Now, look, if this goes on for four or five weeks, and maybe you say that's too long, maybe if he's still struggling by the bye week, okay. I'm okay with a quarterback change at that point. But two games in when his passer rating Sunday was 76.9. He wasn't great, but Dak Prescott's was worse. Um, Carson Palmer's was slightly better. Marcus Mariota's was slightly better. They were 80-ish. Their team's won, so you don't really hear about it. Um, and again, in Bengals history now, I'm telling you that his numbers are better than two guys that took him to the Super Bowl, and his winning percentage is better than Carson Palmer. I, just look at the raw numbers and tell me what it is about him that you honestly hate. Because there's a hatred there, man. There isn't just a dislike. There isn't just a, boy, he's bad today. It's get him out. And it's not been that way because of these two games, man. It has been. You can go back to whatever. Pick a year. Pick the hell 14 prior, 15 when he was having a, a Pro Bowl pseudo-MVP year before he got hurt. I guarantee you if that – get rid of him. Yeah. It, it makes me crazy. It is crazy, too, to think that when the horse leaves the stable in, in the national narrative – what people can get away with saying about there's a mutiny in the locker room, the players don't Nonsense. trust him anymore. It's it, it, Okay, you don't like Andy Dalton. You look at Andy Dalton. You don't think he's good. Don't buy into this nonsense that he's lost the locker room. That's not the case. It's not even close to yeah. the case. Yeah, is there a player or two on defense that maybe thinks that and told their agent that and the agent mumbled that to somebody? Yeah, but but I don't truly believe that in any way, shape, or form. I asked Drake Kirkpatrick the other day. He point blank said Andy's our guy. Now, he could be lying through his teeth don't think he is um and I thought with AJ McCarron's I think he to his credit tried to defuse the whole thing and 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 I think was very truthful when he said I think I'm a good quarterback I think he's a great quarterback that's coming from the quarterback you want in there okay look AJ McCarron's a confident dude and if you put him in there and he was a confident dude when he played two years ago but at the end of the day he was two and two as a starter two and two right yeah I'm not here to tell you that it was it his fault that they lost the Pittsburgh game no, and it might have been he was the hero of that Pittsburgh game for the drive. And to the day, the record says 2-2 two and two is a starting quarterback in the league. Andy Dalton's 56-37. and 37. That's 19 games over 500. It's a pretty decent number for the record. All right, let's, uh, let's turn the page. Feel better? I do. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll feel better when I get the column done, actually, because yeah. I'm getting there. Let's talk about the, this week's game against Green Bay. Um, the logic certainly dictates they're a 9.5-point favorite. Um, you don't have to look at that to know, as a Bengals fan, that this is a tall task. It would be a tall task if the Bengals were were 2-0 and and it played pretty well the, the first couple of weeks. But you are playing a Green Bay team that um, is coming off a tough Sunday night game, has a bunch of guys banged up. Um, Mike Daniels, one of their defensive linemen, looks like he's out. Uh, Nick Perry, a linebacker, is having surgery. Uh, Devon House, a cornerback, uh, did not practice on Wednesday and, and may be out. They've, they've got a couple of linemen that are working their way back in offensive line-wise. But the, this is a banged-up team. Randall Cobb may not play. Jordy Nelson says he's going to play. But but you know, how effective can he be? Um, do the Bengals, A, have... You say Balaga? He's, Brian Balaga, he's, he, I, he's like a full go probably, I, I, but he's yeah. nursing but, yeah, stuff. Yeah, he, he's nursing stuff. Jari Evans is nursing stuff. David Bakhtiari did not practice on Wednesday, so they're they're a banged up group. Do the Bengals catch them at a place where they look and go, ah, this Owen two teams coming into our place, and we're 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 really good. And if you overlook the Bengals enough with all the in- injuries, do the Bengals have a fighting chance? I will say that it's better to get Green Bay early than it is late. They always seem to sort of. There were a couple of years ago when I think they started relax. wanting to relax. Aaron Rodgers coming out. Actually, I'm sorry. R E L. 
X. Yeah, this this is a team that that really gets gets humming as as the year goes along, and and they had a, had a fantastic win against the Cowboys last year on the road in the playoffs. So I think if you are going to get the Packers, it's good to get them early. Going to Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers' numbers against AFC teams at home are mind-boggling. 16 touchdowns versus two interceptions in his last six home games. That's not against the AFC. He's looking for his 12th win in a row at home against AFC with a passer rating over 90. In his last eight home games against AFC opponents, 23 touchdowns, one interception. And that's with Jordy Nelson coming and going. That's with Randall Cobb coming and going. That's with, with different with off- tight ends. And, and offensive line issues over some of those years, over yeah. some of those games, too. He, he, it's it's going to be tough. If number 12 is on the field at Lambeau and you're an AFC team, that's a tough task. Except for one thing about Aaron Rodgers. Against the Bengals, what's the number in the left-hand column? He has never beaten the Bengals. The only team in the NFL he has not beaten, other than the Packers. He hasn't beaten the Packers either. Well, maybe he threw a pick six <laughs> to beat the Packers. It's possible, right? There you go. Open your mind up a little bit. I'm sure that, that a lot of the fans think he has lost a game. He, he, 0-2 against... Uh, against the Bengals, and the last two times these two teams have met in Green Bay and in, in at Paul Brown, they, they've been kind of crazy games, and they, they've been, I think the Green Bay game is, they, they got an onside kick and then ran out of time towards the end, and then the, the game here, back and forth, Packers may have been up the whole game, and then Terrence Newman recovered that fumble and took it to the house, that, that ended up that, being the winning score. That was the game, what did the game where the guy came out of the stands and, and took the took the football away? If I'm not mistaken, I don't remember that. I mean, maybe that was far. I'm trying to. <laughs> there was a game. There was a Packer game here where a guy, where the guy came out of the stands and took the football away. Well, right before they snapped it. Yeah. So that that the games have always been kind of wonky, but it is. It's it's going to be tough. Going back to your original point, do they catch them sleeping? You know, I, I think if I think if number twelve isn't in the backfield, you you have the potential for catching them sleeping. I just don't think. As you mentioned, if they're two and zero, this is this is tough. But with a new offensive coordinator, with all the issues that the Bengals have injury wise, this is this is a very very tall task. Bengals do come in as the the number one ranked pass defense in in the AFC. Now again, take that with a grain of salt because it's been Joe Flacco who can't throw the ball over five yards, and rookie Deshaun Watson. Um, I do think the Bengals defensively played winning football the first two weeks. And look. Again, again, it's neither one of those guys will be confused today with with Aaron Rodgers or even Andy Dalton, for goodness sakes. Um, but I thought the defense played well. Does the defensive performance give you a little bit of of pause to go? Okay, if they can play well enough and the offense takes a step forward, or does, do you still need to see the defense play well against someone and a, and a team like this before you go? Okay, that defense is better than what it was, you know what it was last year, or maybe even what I thought it was going to be, or, or maybe give you some hope. I guess on the flip side of what you said about how they are against the pass, they're almost that bad against the rush. I think they're, they've are they given up a ton. I think 325 yards on the ground. Yeah, it was, it's, 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 it was 160, 150. Now, I think the per rush isn't that bad, though. Okay. Well, they've, they've given up a ton of yards on the ground. Per rush may, may not be that bad. But no, I, I think this defense has has played serviceable. The defense is not the reason this team is 0-2. Paul Gunther still has a job. Correct. I mean, let's just say that. Um, so I don't think the defense is to blame. I think they have played well. I think this is going to be a test, regardless of whether or not Jordy Nelson 
plays or Randall Cobb plays, they, they do have other weapons. You know, they've, they've moved Ty Montgomery into the backfield. He seems to be their answer at running back. He's, he's played well for them in his sort of hybrid role. So I, I do think that, that this is going to determine whether or not this, this defense can be considered a good defense or not because I don't think they have played great offenses the first two weeks. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right, give me, give me a final score. And while we're, I think we're both 0-2 so far uh, this year. I'm a flaming 0-2. Although I, I think I had 16-9 Bengals, so if they'd have scored the Eifert touchdown, right. I'd have been darn close. <laughs> I, think, I think the Packers get this win. I think I think the Bengals are probably going to play this closer than a lot of people think. I don't think the Bengals are as bad as the national people think they are. I think there are a lot of bad teams in the NFL. I think the Bengals are are a cut above some of the some of the really really dreadful teams out there. But I just don't think you go to Green Bay and get a win. Uh, I, I think the Packers win this one. I'm going to say 31-21. Giving them three touchdowns or seven field goals for the twenty-one. Uh, maybe a pick six in here. I, I do think I do think the offense plays better. AJ Green has has his numbers against. I mean his numbers against everybody. He's got the fourth most uh, receiving yards since he's entered the league. But he has played well against the NFC North. So hopefully he's he's been calling for the ball all week. He's had his hand up and, and has been calling for the ball all week. He's done his best. Keyshawn Johnson impersonation, which I bet pains him to do because he does not like to go out. Yeah, and it, it wasn't quite that vociferous, obviously. Right. No. But but you're right. I mean, he he what he said, I I think was the right thing to say at the right time. But you're right. He he's wanting the ball, and I would guess that you will see a double digit target number for him. I think there are glimmers. I think I think this this uh, this offense shows glimmers that gives Bengals fans something something to be uh, happy about. I guess what we really should do is is talk to the color analyst, Tony Romo, who's calling the game because he knows everything that's going to happen anyway. He's calling all the plays ahead of time, man. There's no doubt. I'll go uh, I'll go Green Bay. I'll go lower scoring. I'll go Green Bay 23-17. I think the defense has played well enough. Um, it's it's not going to shut this team down by any stretch like it, it did at times to the first two opponents. But um, I'll, I'll go 23-17. I think the Bengals cover the number, and, and uh, which is 9.5, but, but still lose. And, and do give you a glimmer of hope with Cleveland on the horizon, Buffalo on the horizon before the bye week, a chance to maybe – Get to two and three and feel a little bit better about yourself and, and take take a little restock at that point. All right, one last thing we're going to do. This is the Uncle Guido's <laughs> degenerate gambling portion of the program. For all of our international listeners. I, I like this idea, and we're going to keep track of this. You know, How about we keep track of this? Okay. And, and the winner of this, um, we'll, we'll put a 12-pack on the line? Sure. Since, since we're doing this as a gambling segment? Sure. What we're going to do, we're not going to pick games per se. What we're going to do is, is there are different wagers. There are straight bets. Right. There are parlays in which you take multiple teams and get different odds. And there's a thing called a teaser where you can adjust the point spread a certain number of points depending on the number of teams. You can take two teams and adjust it, three teams and adjustment. Now, there are odds usually attached to that depending right. on what you do. But we decided we're going to do a seven-point teaser, a three-team seven-point teaser each, which means we can adjust it. It always sounds so easy. Right. Where people look and go, well, that team's favored by seven. I know they're going to win. Don't know if they'll cover the seven. I'll take them down to where all they have to do is win, and I'll match them up with ten other teams. <laughs> and guess right. what? You lose all those. So right. it's not easy. So we're doing one each, which I think is the responsible gambling thing. We're picking sure. and choosing. Sure. Right, I'll let you go first. Your three-team seven-point seven teaser. Okay. Now, a lot of people say that, that doing teasers is like riding a wooden horse to war. 
But I, I do think that uh, th- this is this is a great way. If you li- like, you mentioned, if you like a team at the line that they are given, and you think I think that they can win out, or I think they can cover that, then then teasing is the option here. So my my teaser. These are all team. I'm taking three teams on the road this week. I like New Orleans plus thirteen. Now these are the tease lines. Yes, correct. New Orleans plus thirteen at Carolina. I don't think Carolina. Is very good. They almost lost to Buffalo. Offensively, they are not good. No. So New Orleans plus thirteen. I don't. Th- I think New Orleans is too good of a team to start zero and three. I think they figure out a way. I think they're going to win that game outright. So I think thirteen points is is huge. I am not sure why Pittsburgh is only seven and a half point favorites at Chicago. I, the only thing I can think of Ugh. is is your thinking letdown factor. I guess I don't, honestly I don't know yeah. the answer to that. Um, it, I would have thought it would have maybe opened at nine and a half, and maybe it's just the whole road factor. Okay, so they they are seven and a half point favorites. So you tease that down to to half a point. So Pittsburgh yeah, minus a half point. The only way you would lose that is if it went to overtime and Pittsburgh would tie. Yes. So there you go. So that, all you really need. So Pittsburgh, there you go. You need Pittsburgh to win the game. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you need Pittsburgh to to win the game. And then I like Miami on the road getting a point in the teaser against the New York Jets. Jets are bad, but boy, that's a scary proposition to me because it's Jay Cutler on the mopey Jay Cutler. They did win out in San Diego, back to back road games. They dealt with the hurricane the first week. Yep. Ooh, that one's dicey to me. So it's funny. Now we we, we have three different teams then each. I'm going to go with a uh, two road dog, two home dogs, and a neutral site dog that I'm going to tease up. I'm okay. going to tease Jacksonville up to 11 you against love Baltimore. The Jaguars. I, I just don't like Baltimore. I just don't think highly of them. I didn't think they were played very well here. I didn't think they played great against Cleveland. I think both Cleveland and the Bengals, honestly, were just bad both days. So maybe shame on me, but I'm going to tease Jacksonville up to 11. I think if you can get more than 10 points in a London game, that's a, that's yeah, a good Yeah, and you got to factor the London factor into it yeah. as well for, for both. I'm going to take the Chargers up to 10 at home. They're a three-point dog to Kansas City. Taking them getting 10 at home. Well, now, you, you, you've got to realize that home games for the Chargers are almost a disadvantage. Correct. That's correct. I, I, this would be the, the home soccer stadium <laughs> yeah. game for them. I mean, FC Cincinnati has outdrawn them the, uh, the first well, two weeks. I, it sounded like there were more Dolphin fans there on, on Sunday when, uh, when San Diego missed, or San Diego, when the Chargers missed the kick to, to win the game at the end. Yeah, and the Chargers have been close. I mean, they've, they've had both games. They've had a chance to win with, with, a, with a field goal. So ten points is 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 not not too shabby, but man, that Kansas City offense can get going. They can get going, no doubt. And I'm going to take Detroit at home against Atlanta, getting ten. Ooh, that that's an, Atlanta's just another team where it can get out of hand real it quick. Can get, it can. You're right. Ten's a lot. Ten's a lot. I think I, I think the Lions are a bit overvalued just just because of of who they've played so far. But ten at home is that's that's not bad. Mm. Interesting. Oh, we had a lot to talk about this week. We'll uh, we'll have a lot, obviously, next week. Bengals uh, in Cleveland. We'll, of course, recap this Green Bay game. And, and who knows? We'll probably have some more news and nuggets and notes along the way next week. Hope you can join us. Thanks for being with us. For Jed Demusi, I'm Richard Skinner. You've been listening to the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals edition.